Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of season three of Contact Lost, the Polish podcast about competitive Warhammer 40k scene, both in Poland and abroad. Uh, I'm Tweek, your host, and today we will focus on the more abroad part of the competitive scene, as today we want to cover the recent major tournament that took place in the UK, the Beachhead Brawl. And to talk about the event and how he managed to take the top spot, I give you Alex Harrison. Hi, Alex. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Hi, dude. It's really, really cool to, to have you. So thank you for agreeing. So, uh, Alex, uh, we had a little bit of a chat before we started recording the episode, but um, yeah, I didn't mention this. The last that I have heard about you was the, <laughs> I'll call it a sad final of the LGT 2021 when you were facing Malik and his admec. And his admic basically blew you off the table turn one. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately for you and unfortunately for us, the viewers, there was hardly anything to pick up afterwards. And the show came to an end before it even started for good. I, I don't um, remember that ever happening. <laughs> what <do you> mean? <laughs> so uh, to, to, to remind you painfully, that was Thanks. at the time when admic was, you know, uh, ruling on the tables everywhere. And I think there was very little um, anyone could do if they didn't go first, or even if they went first, um, or had gone first. So um, what have you been up to since then? Um, have you been experimenting with different factions, uh, or you know, have you been waiting for Tau uh, eagerly? What was that time like, and what made you eventually uh, pick up Tau as an army? Sure. So um, since then, I have been hiding. <laughs> no, um, yeah, obviously that was quite a rough game. Um, it kind of showed the state of the meta at the time, um, especially in the UK with the lack of large line of sight blocking terrain that you may have or may be used to in the Polish community. Um, as far as I'm aware, you guys use a lot of WTC terrain, which is quite heavy. Um, so, yeah, it was it was quite rough. The whole tournament was pretty much like that i.e. who goes first wins you know i had some matchups where if it, it, my games could have gone the other way um but yeah after that i took a little break um not necessarily because of um the experience of the tournament the tournament was great overall um it was just the the meta in general um the, and it was coming up to christmas as well so i i couldn't really afford all the um big events that were going on so i um I decided to take a little break for a couple of months and sort of wait for a new couple of codexes. Obviously, we had chapter approved 2022 come out. Um, so I was waiting for that because that would affect the meta as well. Um, yeah, and obviously we had Thick City with uh, the Jakari dominating for a few months as well. So it, it meant that I was sort of stuck with my Marines trying to deal with all this stuff, which I just felt like couldn't compete um so yeah my my favorite one of my favorite armies um which i was playing in seventh edition and a bit of eighth was tau so i heard that tau was coming out soon so i thought i'd just wait until the new codex comes out and try again uh, okay so yeah so <clears throat> in the meantime uh you know as, you, as you've mentioned uh chapter approved but also uh custodes uh gene stealer mm. cults Tyranids yeah. with both their supplement and the stampede and so on. Yeah. So all that quite eventful, I would say. Quite a lot of stuff came out in you know just just a couple of months. So 
how would you summarize the the state of the meta before Beachhead Brawl? Uh, what was there anything uh, you know that you were, for example, specifically dreading, or uh, you know, did, did you even get any time to to play test Tau, or was it just the Codex came out? I'm taking the army. You know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, sure. So the the UK meta was quite hard to tell at that time because we had the the LVO, which we saw a few top UK players go across, such as Manny Chima, Malik, um, David Gaylard, Alex Petford. Um, and, and they were pretty much using the same thing, Stampede or uh, um, obviously you had the rack carpet, which is quite specific. Um, but yeah, our meta, I, I don't know, we, we, we kind of guessed what it would be, me and my friends that I play test with. Um, that it would be roughly stampede custodes jakari etc um so in terms of what i was expecting i couldn't tell you list wise but i knew roughly what i would see at the top tables which would be those three um in terms of the codex and and the information i had obviously a lot of leaks were going around um a lot of rumors a bit of information here and there so i started actually practicing a few weeks prior um, to list submission on TTS um, with two of my friends, um, Chris and Andy Oakham. Um, solid players. They don't go to as many events as they'd like, um, but they are great to practice with. And I just tested a few ideas that I had with the information I was given online, which I know isn't great. Um, but obviously the codex was released uh, very close to the... Uh, event itself so I wanted to get as much practice as I could um, the more information that came out my list obviously started to change and eventually I pretty much had a full copy on YouTube to look at um, a week prior to the codex coming out so I started practicing there and that's sort of how I came to the conclusion of my list after losing a few games but also winning a few games you could start to see right okay, this works against this, this works against that, I need to play aggressive, I need to play defensive, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and to be honest, usually I don't practice a lot before an event. Um, but this time I thought, well, Tau isn't as simple as pick up and play. It never has been. Um, it will require a few games, especially against the top tier list, which are potentially pick up and play like custodes. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what I was doing beforehand. Okay, that's cool. So uh, let's talk about the, the, the list itself. So um, what have you taken and uh, were you, you know, mastering to, to face, for example, I don't know, Stampede? Was there anything in the list specifically to, to tackle big monsters or, yeah, tell us all about it. Sure. So I sort of split my list in half in terms of how I was going to deal with certain matchups. Um, so on one half, I took the um, six broadsides and long strike, um, mostly to deal with the Sampede. Um, and that was not something I initially was testing. I was actually only testing three broadsides, uh, maybe five, like three and then one, one, um, and no long strike. But it wasn't until I played long strike in one game um, where I realized actually he is really useful to the list overall. Um, Stampede is still tough going second um, as Tau if they play super aggressive, which we'll go into later. Um, but going first, I felt like the list had to do as much damage as it could before the Stampede can start taking over the board with its super durability and speed. 
Um, the same goes into custodes. I knew custodes are really big and everyone's taking nine to 12 bikes. Um, and the broadsides, I gave them velocity trackers. So that allowed them to get the plus ones hit against fly. Um, and with their maneuverability with the advance and shoot from Montcar, it meant that I could actually get angles around some pieces of terrain, um, especially on objectives, etc., to make sure that when they when that they all their hits, um, sorry, all their shots are hitting, or at least most of them, um, rather than just 50%. Um, and then the other half, I felt that um, I needed some indirect mobility and sort of direct firepower from angles. And that's where the two crisis units come in with the commander. So I've got an airburst unit with two airbursts, um, fragmentation projectors and a plasma rifle. And they also have target locks. And the reason for that is when you put the buffs that my list has on that unit, they do a ridiculous amount of damage. Um, we were also playing raw with the Tau Sept um, stratagem, uh, which affects them as well. So as soon as you cause a wound, you can you can basically give them plus one uh, to wound mm -hmm. um, if you do slow roll. So yeah, they also give me some indirect firepower quite a lot. Um, they help me deal with any horde units, such as Drakari. I played twice. Both had large unit of racks. Um, sitting behind walls, it meant obviously I'm getting max shots, so that was a real kick in the teeth for them. Um, and the other unit had the cyclic ion, flamer, and plasma. So both units have plasma, that's to deal with the custode and stampede matchup. Mm -hmm. um, and the cyclic squad gave me that extra damage too, and they'll be the ones being thrown out. Uh, to get the angles with the high mobility to shoot custodes or whatnot behind uh, ruins, which I couldn't quite get to with my um, indirect shooting. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of mobility and the choices are there for a reason with the meta in mind rather than I'll just throw this all the best things that I can in the list. There's obviously certain things that I've picked, like I even took velocity trackers on the, the one of the crisis units just because they I knew they were the ones potentially hunting for custode bikes, etc. All right. Does the, the list play aggressively or do you sort of pre prefer to play defensively? Is it tailored to your play style or do you tailor the gameplay to your opponent more? So I've always played Tau as a gun line, um, even back in seventh or eighth when Triple Riptides was about. I was the mm -hmm. one using nine broadsides. <laughs> um, so I've always used it as a sit back shoot for a bit and then start pressuring your opponent and with the new crisis suits you it, it means you can do that early on rather than sort of turn three or four you can start moving up sort of turn two or three um especially with montcar giving the whole army advance and shoot uh whilst counting as stationary so my turn ones tend to be quite passive because i want to especially if i go first i want to see what my opponent does but i also want to alpha strike hence with all the indirect firepower once i know sort of where everything's deployed where they're going to start moving where the objectives are obviously once we've deployed the terrain um which is quite important actually to mention this was all player place terrain um right. which we can go into in a bit um it means that I can play quite aggressive as soon as I've dealt the, the sort of hard-hitting blow of my turn one and two. That's when I start just throwing my crisis units forward um, with fire and fade uh, and uh, with the speed that they have. Um, so yeah, 
I, I do play it quite aggressive from sort of turn two onwards. Okay. And maybe last question about the list, and then we will move on to the tournament itself and your games. Um, how does this army play to the objective game? So is it easy for you to pick secondaries? Do you, do you yes. go into each? Okay, all right. So tell us about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so right from the beginning, I have three preset secondaries, and then anything else is dependent on my opponent. So I've designed it to play um, return, oc no, it's not Octarius. Retrieve, Retrieve, Retrieve Neckman data. Mm -hmm. Neckman data, that's the one. <laughs> um last stand and either engage or stranglehold mm -hmm. so the way i've done that is with little specific choices um, which i actually do want to make minor adjustments to my list um to deal with it but yeah so i'll go with the last stand so initially i um i took an instim injector on the cyclic ion crisis unit because i thought well this unit's the one that i'm going to throw forward um they're going to put a lot of pressure on my opponent i need them to be a bit more durable and the stim injector is fantastic for that it get, basically as soon as you take a wound um you get a four plus feel no pain for the rest of the um, i think i believe it's phase um on that model um which is brilliant you know it just reduces a lot of damage mm -hmm. mix mix that in with the um save your protocol to put a wound on a drone, kill the drone off. It makes a unit very durable along with their shield drones. Um, but what I found was that it meant that my last stand became them and they're the ones sort of pushing up. So I moved it onto my um, airburst unit, which meant they were the ones, although hidden, just meant they were the most expensive unit. Um, so they became my last stand and also the two broadsides. Um, so those three are super tough to kill. I think I only lost one out of the three in one of my seven games. Um, so I always had at least 10 points um, because people just, by the time I'd shot them turn one and two, they didn't have a way of dealing with them um, reliably by that point. Um, because, you know, you've got all the shield drones, they're toughness five, eight wounds on the broadsides, they're four wounds each on the crisis units. Um, you could fire and fade away. Yeah, there's there's a lot of durability in in the army. Um, the retrieval um, was quite simple to get because of the two units of Vespid. Um, so the reason I added them, they're both six man units, is literally just to get me that and engage. Um, but mostly that. Um, by the time they drop in, turn two and three, again, my opponents either have to having to press forward to sort of get the middle objectives because I've killed the stuff that's initially on there, um, which means there's more space at the back of the field and he can't really afford leaving units to block out. Um, so I all, I pretty much always got it. The other great thing is um, the ethereal has an ability to give to a unit, a core unit, um, the capability of shooting and doing uh, after doing an action. So you can do that in your own uh, side of the board with a crisis unit, for example, you can move them. Um, uh, sorry, you can shoot them and still have having completed an action is, is fantastic. Yeah, it's important. I don't know why the ethereal can do that, but he can. Um, and then the third one engage. Um, the crew and the crew hound unit always press up. So they're pretty much the units giving me um, engage turn one. And the Crute Hound unit, I specifically added literally just to get me engage for two points turn one because it can pregame move seven and then move 12 and it's 24 points. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so good. Initially, I was taking uh, a Piranha 
to do it um but it's like what 60 points and the crew hounds do it for the exact same thing but for 24 points um and after the tournament i really want to take two or three units of them because <laughs> they're so good yeah makes sense completely all right so let's look at the tournament itself so um uh, was there anything specific about the formula or was it just your stock standard 2k uh 2k points tournament or were there any house rules or yeah you've mentioned player place terrain so how how does that change the the, the environment sure so player place terrain i've never um never done before that was the first time um but after the first two games i kind of got the hang of it um it's very impactful very impactful uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a bad thing or a great thing it's sort of in between um from a competitive standpoint i don't think it's the best mm -hmm. um because of like literally things i was doing which was putting all the big pieces of terrain right at the back and the little pieces at angles so that if my opponent moves into them i can shoot them um or for example <laughs> one i saw was manny chima with a stampede he would put one ruin forward and the rest all the way back so that his big creatures don't can't be sort of blocked um and the one ruin was for his uh hive guard so you know it's <laughs> to me it's very abusable um but on the other hand from a tournament organizer's perspective and you know rocking up to each table it's very easy to just go right here's the deployment here's the objectives positioning because they're preset and right sort out the terrain and you just sort of get on with it it does quicken things up which is nice um rather than having a map which you draw from to with the positioning of each terrain piece or even fixed terrain um on every table being the exact same gets it a little bit boring so it, it is nice to have something different is it abusable potentially it definitely was in some of my games um but yeah i i think that was the biggest standout um the tournament itself did um house rule a few things namely for tau things like you can't bodyguard long strike um mm. you can't advance and do an action even though you've got montcar uh or, or move even so you couldn't have storm surges do their action to reroll all hits and be able to move and and, and get the full rerolls um so there was a few sort of house rules like that the, that the like, custodes would you probably... say that those yeah, sorry, sorry, I think I, I, I cut out for a sec. Uh, yeah. So do you think that those house rules, especially for you as a town player, that they were a little bit premature? I mean, you know, the codex is pretty, pretty fresh. And I, I don't think that we've seen any Tau results before that tournament. So was that the preemptive ruling or, or was it a just decision? Um, I, I agree with the decisions. I think there's some things which are like, mm, this is a bit too strong, like having a 14 wound tank um you know be able to not be guard. targeted yeah. yeah seems a bit insane i know we we're used to the iron hand dreadnought but this is like next level i think um so i i actually agree with that the other thing with the montcar not allowing actions that's a very big gray area because the way it's written you can um mm -hmm. and i, I don't it's difficult to tell whether GW like wanted that to give Tau a lot of maneuverability, which they never had before, or maybe too much. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, I agreed with everything. You know, I, there's no complaints from any player. I think overall Tau is still strong, 
Um, and, and I do think that those in the future will need to be implemented because I, I don't think Tau, if anything, need a buff. Um, I think they do need a little bit toning down with those things in place. Mm. All right. So uh, you did say what what the meta was like uh, before you entered the tournament and, and, you know, which armies potentially could be a threat. Were there any specific players that you knew that were going that you potentially, for example, wouldn't like to face off immediately or something like that? Um, yeah, sure. Obviously, the the players that stand out for me, um, a teammate of mine, Manny Chima, um, a fantastic player. I've played him numerous times, always gives me a tough game, um, whatever list he uses. Um, Malik as well, I've played him, I think, well, you know the last mm. time I played him. <laughs> that was not a game, but we have had good games before. Um, I'd say Vic, uh, VJ, who was also using Tau, uh, definitely a top player. Alex Petford, another quality player, was also taking Tau. I think it was just a case of testing out the new Tau. Everyone was a bit excited. Um, who else was there? Boris Michev was taking uh, GSC. Um, so I ha hadn't had much practice against GSC, so I don't really know what they do. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a, a few others there as well. Um, Stephen Box, Ben Jones. Uh, I won't go through all of them, but yeah, there was there yeah, was a good sort of overall amount of players which I knew I'd I'd have a tough game against um, that that were going. Yeah, so I I just wanted to to highlight that because we we did talk about some some tournaments uh, on our podcast that some tournaments that took place in the UK. Um, uh, you know, I think we we spoke about Nottingham and so on, and uh, uh, some lists that got to the to the final that we were surprised by here in in Poland. Um, and then when we looked at you know the list of of people who attended, well, there there weren't any big names probably because they were at other tournaments. So so we were looking for explanation of you know why certain lists made it to the top five, for example, or top ten. Here sounds like a Shark Tank. Sounds like uh, an event full of great players. Yeah, I'd say I'd say the event had a, a number of top players. I wouldn't say it was um, the most competitive. Um, we actually have an event early next month called War of the Roses, which is a bit of WTC funding and practice. And that's a shark tank. That's like, you know, 60% of the field could win that event kind of shark tank. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a, a fun event. Okay, um, so we will have our eyes peeled on that. Um, <laughs> still, um, you know, let, let's let's stick to the to the beachhead brawl. Uh, sure. And uh, yeah, seven games per player, so to say. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your games a little bit. Tell us how they went, who you faced, what armies you faced, and what your tactics was. Okay, uh, I'm gonna have to go by memory here, but my um, so my first game I ended up playing Custodes. Uh, literally, first game was a meta army, nine bikes, the plate captain that can teleport, a uh, couple of guard units. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, and this was my first time, obviously, using the pre-deployed um, terrain, uh, player place terrain. Sorry. And that's where I realized how strong Tau can be in that case. Um, I managed to basically just get really good firing angles on his bikes um, from the get-go. And I killed five on turn one. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really rough for him. Um, so from that point, it was just a case of just wiping out the rest of his army. Um, and obviously, that was the first time actually playing Tau 
on the tabletop, so it was quite exciting. Um, my second game, Crusher Stampede, so <laughs> things are like going as expected. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I managed to um, go second here, which was really good because we both play, played, um, deployed really defensively. Um, so he then obviously had to move up to basically redeploy and pressure me. Um, but again, player place terrain meant that he had like no terrain to hide behind um, with his big creatures. And this is where Longstrike does what Longstrike does best, um, which is pretty much, I'd say, half shot a big creature. He does like 10 to 11 wounds almost 90% of the time. Wow. Having a reroll to hit and wound and plus one to hit, uh, plus one to wound against um, monsters and vehicles. Um, so yeah the chances are really high with a reroll to hit and reroll wound you're going to do 10 to 12 damage on that thing and then just finish it off with all the rest of your weapons so i i think i killed a harrispex a um what do you call it a scythe hyra jewel and four of his hive guard on turn one i think That's i also insane. killed three That's yeah, well, by turn two, we called it because I killed way too much. He couldn't do anything after that. Mm-hmm. Um, my turn, my game. So so that was that game. Um, my game three, uh, I think that was my first Jakari. I think I ended up playing Jakari three times or two times. Um, oh, God, I can't remember my, my game three. I think it was game four I played Jakari. Um, and that was... Again, the biggest issue I was facing was the speed of Jakari. Um, it's always scary, and I didn't want anything to get sort of locked in combat, especially with witches. Um, but that's where I found SMS just decimate units. Um, absolute insane against Jakari. The strength five is amazing. Um, you're wounding even racks on fours. Um, meaning that you're just removing models, which he can't just hide from. Um, and I think this this list alone that I took will definitely shake our meta in making people take transports, um, because not many people at the moment are. You know, everything's on foot. Um, oh, I remember my last game now. It was um, Sisters of Battle. And okay. That was your typical Sisters uh, triple... Melterets, you've got Morven Val, Celestine, and the big 10-man unit of Sacrosants. Um, all the good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff. And that was a big eye-opener on how I can deal with Bodyguard. You just kill them, um, even if they're behind a wall. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, re- I think I removed nine of his Bodyguards um, and then proceeded to shoot his uh what are the, the girls that come with celestine called um uh, i can't remember what they're called but they the her two bodyguards basically i killed them and then she was sat there in the open so long strike <laughs> decided to shoot his big cannon right in her face one shot her she then came back alive charged my crisis unit um which i think i lost like two drones to left combat and then long strike was like right let's try again <laughs> shot <her laughs> again straight to the face poor girl um and she she was gone she was taken right off the board gemini superior now that's, i remember that's the one gemini yeah. superior 
Yeah, so Longstrike has a massive tally, by the way. He's killed Drizar as well. <laughs> so yeah, he's he he did a lot of, a lot of good work. Oh, he killed a swarm lord as well. That was it. Um, so any special characters out there should be worried. Yeah, especially what well, he ignores invulnerable saves. So basically, yeah. just don't run in the open, and otherwise <laughs> yeah. you're gone. Even with even with bodyguard behind that wall, I'll be able to deal with it. Um, yeah. So he he. Although I was only taking long strike for buffs, um, which I which I'll go into in a moment. He um, he did kill anything he looked at, which was which was great to see. Um, yeah. Then. So that was sort of my first four games. Um, going into the next day, I played a Chaos Thousand Sons list. Um, Chris Woods, I think, was his name. Uh, really good player. Um, he had a really tricksy list, um, and it wasn't really meta. Um, he had two Helldrakes, two mm. of those... Um, Maul of, not Maul of Fiends, the shooty versions. Forge Fiends. Yes. He had two Forge Fiends, um, and then he had a large brick of Terminators. I think he had two or three characters, and then a couple more squads of Rubrics, two or three squads of Rubrics, uh, a couple of Spawn. So looking at it, I was like, how is this doing really well? But I could see like how it's good in Thousand Suns, things like the Forge Fiends can have buffs. They hit on threes. You know the the hell drakes are super annoying because they get all this plus plus one to hit and damage or whatnot against fly. So I was like, well, half my army flies, so I'm a bit scared of that. Yeah, it sounds uh, like a Swiss army knife. Yeah, it's sort of got a bit of everything. Um, but when it came to you know first turn, I thought that was quite important, um, and it was in the end because if he went first, I felt like um, with the mission we were playing. Um, I think it's cool. I, I might have changed now. It used to be called Vital Intelligence with the six six objectives and it and four goes sort of across um the center of the board. He could have put a lot of pressure. Um he had a lot of redeploying, a lot of um teleporting, um, you know, especially one with the psychic power, so he could like uh smite off my crew and then um redeploy a unit of 10 terminators fully buffed in front of me and thousand suns are actually really annoying for me because they they get plus one save if you have uh minus one uh, sorry if you do uh one damage which is a lot of my shots so they're very durable so i was a bit actually nervous going into this game um but it turns out that if you go first and you can see the wings of hell drakes those two sort of disappear um which helped a lot um, so that put a lot of pressure off um, turn one. I also managed to kill a um, unit of Rubric Marines, I believe, turn one as well. Um, so it just meant that his sort of speed and pressure was reduced dramatically by going me going first. Um, what I do with my crew in most games is if I believe that my opponent has a lot of deep strike, redeploying or pregame moves, I use my crew like a unit of scouts um, or incursors. They basically just go forward, spread out, and block out a lot of the board. And it's great value for the 60 points you spend on them. So I recommend any Tau player that's looking at um, taking Tau in general should always start their list with two or three units of crew. They're brilliant. Um, and yeah, after that, the he did try to play the mission quite well, but by by my third shooting phase, he literally just had his characters and 10 terminators left um he just 
couldn't hide his army from my mobility, um, which crisis suits now do really well. They can move 10 inches. You could auto advance them six with a stratagem, um, allowing them to stay stationary so they shoot as normal. And once I get within that 12 inch range, especially on turn two and nine inch range, turn three, getting that extra AP helps massively against Thousand Suns. So actually in this game, I, I ran towards him, which he was quite surprised. Um, obviously within reason, I was using my flanks and stuff and terrain, um, but I was moving up close and personal because that's what I wanted to be. I couldn't just sit back and shoot him with minus one AP and one damage because he gets an additional save. So he basically ignores it. So even five Rubric Marines in, in terrain is super hard for me to shift. But as soon as I got the extra AP, um, you also have a strat to gain another AP from two units shooting the same target with an 18. That's how you deal with Thousand Suns is just stack that AP, put your high damage shots in. And yeah, that, that was basically the game from turn three. Yeah, I wanted to ask where if, if you know uh, there was ever any moment where you were afraid of his uh, well psychic phase, for example. But it sounds like he didn't even get to cast some of the spells because you just removed the units that potentially could do that. Yeah, it doesn't sound that interactive, does it? But um, the thing is, if he went first and could actually put a bit of pressure on me with the Helldrakes um, and the redeploying, potentially yes, because as soon as the crew die, I don't have a way of stopping the um, smites. Apart from, I do have an ethereal which gives a five plus feel no pain. Um, the issue with that is like your your drones just die, and you know your crisis suits get the five plus feel no pain. Um, but once he kills the drones, that's when he could then potentially shoot and and yeah. charge etc. And that that's sort of how he could have gone about killing my army. Um, but unfortunately, just didn't get into the position. But yeah, I'd say Thousand Suns do actually have some options of dealing with Tau. Um, maybe that list wasn't as optimized as it could have been uh, against me. Um, but obviously he did he did quite well. I think he ended up on a, a one loss and a draw and then the rest wins. So he did quite well, the list. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take this moment to, to ask the question that I wanted to ask a little bit later, but maybe this is the right time to do it as well. Um, would you say that the surprise factor uh, comes from Tau being a new codex might have helped you in this? A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right. So people were not um, really prepared. Well, yeah, I think it's the same for any new codex. Like you, you sort of get those players that that test everything, and then you get those that that will only test the the armies they're interested in, and then you get those that just wait until I don't know the players that build the meta or whatnot, um, and then you know, okay, for the next tournament, I've got to be aware of this, this, and this. Um, I think for this tournament being so close to the tower release. Tau Codex release. Not many people were aware of of what the lists that will come out and what what Tau do. You know, a lot of games I spent explaining the process by army, the buffs it gets, the stratagems, all this stuff. Um, you know, I, I I had to keep reminding people that my battle suits have a stratagem to minus two their charge distance, which for me is amazing value. It's a really strong strat that I used all the time. But just the threat of it alone um, really puts players off. So so things like, you know, when you're explaining Tau and people like trying to take all the information in, that's a lot of pressure to put on a player on top of them trying to play a good game. Um, you know, you, you've got them thinking, right, I've got to be aware of this, this, and this. Um, they've got a lot of um, ignorant sight shooting. They've got this direct shooting as well. 
um, they could leave combat and shoot. It, it sounds like, oh my god, this is broken. But you know, Tau can be dealt with. It's just people haven't had enough time to prepare not only themselves but their lists. Yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting, as you mentioned, you know, how it's going to affect the, the, the meta in the future, right? Maybe more transports or, you know, we'll see how people adapt, how, how the meta adapts. But still, we are left with two more games, I think, that, that you have to play on that Sunday. Sure, yeah. Um, I actually think that Sunday was double Jakari. Um, I think I, I, I played two guys who actually were on the same sort of team. Um, poorly and oh what was his name McCall. i can't remember his first name but his surname was mccollo um both good guys really nice guys um good players top sports they took they took the games well but but both games were really tough for them um george george that was it yeah george um so i i'll explain my game with paulie first um paulie had quite a mixed jacari list um what you'd sort of expect from an old school Drakari list, not not sort of the new ones. A um, couple of Raiders, a couple of Ravagers, um, Drizar, the succub- combat succubus with all the buffs, um, a big unit of racks, a uh, unit of grotesques, a uh, couple of units of incubi, you know, a bit, bit of everything really, um, Trueborn, etc, etc. And he went first which actually was really good for me because it meant that he couldn't sort of react to what i was going to do by playing Mm -hmm. defensive and then jump on objectives later on um we were playing um quite a, a dawn of war mission uh one of the new ones sorry i don't know all the names the two objectives where they're sort of in an l shaped in the um your side of the territory and two on theirs and then one in your deployment zone so there's six and this is one of the games i actually took stranglehold because i knew that i could hold my three and just shoot him off one um all of his objectives were hidden but he just didn't have the durability needed against all that sms and airburst firepower and that just shows where you know what i was saying with the transports where if if he went in a more msu approach with with venoms which are minus one to hit that would become a lot more difficult for my list to deal with um and having like you know small units of five where sure if you blow them off whatever they've they've done their job would be a bit easier for him but he had big units um you know important characters that would getting flung out just to kill some drones or you know wipe unit a crew off which he had to do but it meant that he couldn't hit the juicy stuff um so i think by turn three we called it because he just he ran out of juice he ran out of stuff that he was throwing at me um onto objectives and yeah i, I believe that old school jakari do not stand a chance unless they're like all in transports or all in um like venoms because venoms have a minus one to hit in eight which is really strong um even raiders you know as long as you can hide them but play place terrain he's not gonna hide them outside his deployment zone unfortunately um so yeah that was really tough for him um the same sort of thing happened against george you know he had a big unit of hellions um he had drazar he had um you know a big unit of racks unit grotesques and I actually said to George like um, a few hours before our game, because he asked, uh, you know, how I'm getting on against Jakari. And I said to him, you know, it seems quite a uphill battle for Jakari. 
and he said, well, what can the Jakari player do? And I said, well, the only thing I, I do as a Jakari player is play quite aggressive, you know, throw everything forward, try and get some charges off, lock stuff in combat, because as soon as I get the board pressure against the Jakari that's trying to play defensive, I'm going to win. Um, so in our in our game, we ended up, obviously ended up playing, and I think he took that in mind. Unfortunately, he went second, which meant he lost a whole unit of 10 Hellions, turn wow. one, and I killed a Raider, um, which massively reduced his maneuverability. Um, so he actually did something quite interesting, which I wasn't expecting. He moved both his other Raiders, full of staff, Drizar, Succubus, etc., and he went for a, a charge. And this is where my dice went a bit ham. So I, he charged one raider into um, a crisis unit. So I was like, well, I've got a load of CPs. I'll, I'll, I'll over, overwatch. And they had um, double airburst and a plasma guns. The plasma guns, I think, one hit and caused three, three damage. So I was like, okay, that, that's a good start. Mm. And then the airburst shot. So the airburst shot, they had a buff from long strike, which gives them sixes to hit auto wound and i thought it only lasts for the shrink phase it actually lasts until your next turn um so i <laughs> i ended up shooting these air bursts i got something stupid like 46 shots um with 10d6 and i proceeded to roll 14 sixes in all that which Ouch. i don't i think is slightly <laughs> over over the average actually it's a lot over average i think the average is like eight or nine i rolled something crazy like 14 or 15 and with the minus one he only has like what five up save five up i think even a six up i don't even know if you get you're invulnerable either way i only needed to cause seven wounds and his raider proceeded to die on overwatch well raiders aren't really the, the toughest of, of no no but i wasn't expecting to kill it i thought i'll just put a few wounds on it just to deal with it later and obviously what that meant was two units of Incubi and Drizar was left in the open because they then couldn't charge. Um, and yeah, that was really rough. Um, the other one did get its charge off and sort of wrapped around the side of my army. Um, but because now one was open, the other one I felt really, you know, that was easy to deal with. Um, the Crisis Commander, and one of the reasons why I take him, gave the other unit the uh, ability to leave combat and shoot. So they left, went on the other side. My broadsides then ran up, and I basically wrapped this um, this raider, even with a six-inch um, emergency disembark, so he couldn't get anything out. Obviously, proceeded to kill it. Everything inside died. Um, I then turned on to Drizar and his little contingent, and I proceeded to kill all his contingent. And of course, long strike, the hero of the day, decided to shoot Drizar to the face. <laughs> yeah. This is where your motivation as, as a Tau opponent just, you know, drops <laughs> completely. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, George was, like, pretty demoralized at that point. And, again, I think we called the game because, you know, all his damage output had gone. Um, I feel bad for George. George, the, the way the rankings worked, uh, sorry, the pairings worked was... You know, the, the, the winners play the winners and then it goes down to randomized on who you play. Um, so in our case, there was three players on six and oh, so Manny and Vic ended up playing and it was all random on, on BCP. And then I was paired against the sort of player with a draw, but there were no players with a draw. I think there were only players below with a loss. 
um, unless it was a draw, I'm not too sure. But I think there was like nine of them to choose from and I randomized against George. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wasn't happy with that because obviously <laughs> he knew Jakari going into to Tao would have been tough. Um, so yeah, he, he was a top sport though. He took it well. Um, and he definitely, I think, at least took something from it in that he needs to adapt his list and his tactics against Tao in the future. Yeah, win some, lose some. It's, you know, at least he experienced that firsthand. He will know what to do in the next game, maybe. Yeah, and uh, one thing I just want to add because I'm sure people will be, you know, wondering, oh, what what would have happened if I played Vic with Tao or Manny with um, his Stampede? I was actually really confident going into both. Um, my list deals with both pretty well. Um, me and Vic. Well, I was teasing Vic all weekend saying I can't wait to have our Tau off because he knew that my Tau list could beat his. Um, my list was more refined than his, especially in the um, the uh, uh, the Tau off. And then my game into Manny would have definitely come down to first turn. But I know from Manny's game with Vic, he rolled a two and I rolled a five. So I would have gone first. So it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, congrats on on those games. Sounds sounds like a, a a great feat to to defeat all those players and in a quite dominant uh, fashion as well. Um, now, from time perspective, a couple of days have passed. You probably had the time to think about the list. Um, is there anything in your list that you didn't particularly like? Anything that you would you know uh, erase, replace with something else, or or is it a perfect sort of puzzle all pieces fit together perfectly you're not going to touch it and just take it to the next tournament in that shape and form so um i managed to obviously refine the list to get to that sort of stage by practicing um now i've had seven games with it i wouldn't say it's perfect but it's for me it's very close to being what i would want from the tower list um when I consider secondaries, I would definitely want one or two more units of Crute Hounds, um, maybe another unit of Crute um, themselves. Um, would I change the loadouts of my Crisis? Probably not. They are literally just going to only change depending on the meta. Um, and the HQ choices were solid. So the only thing really which I wasn't too fussed about was having two units of three broadsides. Um, if anything, I could drop one and make a one unit of three and two units of one. Um, that would be sort of a fine change to sort of give me the points to add these little additions to help me with the um, the missions. That does, however, make me lose last stand on them. But then the other unit crisis suits can can become that, and I know they're just as durable. Okay, not as durable, but they are still fairly durable. Quite durable, yeah. Quite durable, yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't think the list would would change too much. I, I do still want to test like the, the devil fish with breaches inside because those are great objective grabbers and great midfield presence. But I think that's just a complete different list. Um, I think if you're going to do the broadsides and play um, the shooting game, you may as well stick with them and take as many as you can. Um, I, I also think it depends on the terrain. If I was to play on WTC terrain, I probably wouldn't take six broadsides and I'd probably change the list to far sight because I feel like the game will be more up close and personal. I'd probably take more probably, crisis yeah. suits mm -hmm. um, because crisis suits are just as uh, dangerous, um, but just a bit closer range and they can get angles very easily. Um, 
so yeah, it's just it will depend on the, the tournament I'm going to, what sort of terrain they have. Um that makes a big difference on the style of towel list you play. Mm-hmm. Um but if I was to go to the exact same tournament again, uh setup, I don't think I would change too much. All right. And tell me or tell our listeners rather, um, you know, having played seven games with, with this army now, with this list, and having done some some preparation before the tournament as well. Does Tau have any soft spots? Is there anything that you could advise people playing against Tau, not only yourself, but Tau in general, that they could or should do in order to, you know, somehow handle this army? Is it play to the mission more or, you know, charge as fast as possible? What would be your sort of advice for all the people facing Tau right now? Yeah, sure. So obviously I I won't go through each individual army. Um because yeah, that could take all day but just the general tips i would recommend when building a list if you believe that there's going to be either some top players with towel or, or just a general amount of towel there um one thing i definitely recommend is some form of minus ones to hit um whether that be an aura ability like custodes have the banner guy um or it be like a psychic power to just give a unit minus one to hit that's super powerful against tau because tau want all these buffs on one unit and if you just make that unit minus one to hit then you're reducing the amount of damage that they can do yes they can get plus one to hit um you know through marker lights mm-hmm. or whatnot um but then they're they're output is dramatically decreased by hitting on fours rather than threes for example so any ways of getting minus one to hit take it um especially now you know that works against other armies as well it's still useful it's a still useful mechanic um you know dark angels have that um speeder that get the the little speeder thing that gives an aura of minus one to hit that's super annoying so just little things like that will make a massive difference um Another thing is, if you genuinely believe that you're just going to lose if you just hide behind terrain, for example, um, deploy your army on the line. Literally deploy your army on the line and just try and go first. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a great strategy, but it will at least allow you to win the game if you go first or potentially win the game going first. I'll give you an example. Blood Angels, right? If you're playing Blood Angels and you have loads of Sanguinary Guard and uh, Vanguard, if you're just going to play reserved and you end up going first and you're not really going to pressure anything apart from moving up a little bit, you're still going to get shot off the board because now you're in range of everything. You know, Tau have an ability to get full rerolls to wound if you're within 12. Um, so it's going to happen either way. Whereas if you just throw your whole army forward, and you put a lot of pressure, yes, you will still lose quite a bit, um, but you're at least sort of hitting them back. You'll put up a fight at least. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that's, you know, the the best strategy to do in it all the time. Um, another thing is deep striking. Um, if you have a, a really good way of outflanking or deep striking, getting angles, uh, utilize it. Um, one of the sisters players I played, um, in game three or four he cleverly put his retributors in reserve outflanked them and when they came on they did a lot of damage um they were quite scary they kept me back a bit um because i didn't want to overcommit. yes i have shield drones um but it, you know the multi-melter rats do have a lot of shots so if they do pop off they're going to do a lot of damage to my crisis suits um <clears throat> so knowing that it, it pardon me it makes me play a bit more reserved um 
deep deep striking as well you need to be careful because if you're relying on a deep strike to charge a crisis unit remember they have minus two to charge so if you are going to charge something out of um, reserve or deep strike make sure that it either has a lot of bonuses to charge such as the chaplains plus two to charge or it has um a way of ignoring modifiers to charge because otherwise you're just going to be stood there in the open and you will get caught out so that's definitely something to be aware of um don't bother trying to win a shooting matchup i don't think any army in the game considering admech took a lot of nerfs can well actually saying that admech are probably the only army that could potentially put up a fight but because most of their damage comes from big units of rangers well guess what ever surplused and they're gonna love that so that won't work um so yeah things like transports as well having like a basic um just as an example like a rhino or wave serpent is really annoying behind a wall to deal with like that's actually hidden um you know bring your transports out you don't have to have a whole army of transports but just a couple um anything toughness six and above that can hide that's small things like that um, that have an innate minus to one, uh, minus one to hit, like a venom. That's super annoying for for Tal to deal with, um, because they don't have any way of taking you out of that hole that you're in, um, because they don't have any combat. Um, so once you've dug in behind that objective with a small vehicle, um, it's super tough. Um, you know, Custos do that really well with their bikes. Their toughness six, five wounds. They switch off rerolls. So. Mm -hmm. Custos are naturally a very good answer to Tau if you play KG and put a lot of pressure on the flank with a fully buffed up custod unit. It's very tough for Tau. Um, so yeah, it, every army has their own ways of dealing with it. I'm not saying that means every army does have a way of dealing with it. Um, because if you do build just to deal with Tau and then you end up playing like Crusher Stampede, which is all combat, it kind it of all, backfires. Yeah, it will back you in the ass. Yeah, which which is why I actually think the current meta right now is the best it's been in a while because it's not just all if I go first I shoot you off the board. It's it's a bit of variety. You've got Custos, Tyranids, Tau, Jakari still good. You know that at least there's a few armies up there. Even Deathwatch, Deathwatch are a, a very strong army which which a lot of people are sitting on. Um, you know I've used Deathwatch before. We've got a top player Michael Costello who I think came sixth at this event. Um, his list is really strong um, and, and scares the hell out of me because he, he you know he can put himself in white scar doctrine and just advance and charge with his whole army um, which has an in, insane threat range because of the the biker and jump pack guy in in the squad of uh, death watch so yeah. there's lots of armies that can actually deal with tau obviously i i was lucky to dodge some of them um, so don't expect Tao to just sit there and shoot um, especially have some terrain um, but but you've definitely got to consider them now as as a threat in the meta. Do you expect you know with everything that is going on with everything that GW is doing and have announced so the the data slates or balancing patches coming out on a quarterly basis and then chapter approved and so on and so on all those things. Do you expect that Tau is going to get hit by any of those anytime soon? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I. I, only because like although it may not hit my list right now um i think there's certain things in ta in the tau codex that, that will be hit i.e whether it be in the faq or a future update um 
I think broadsides having the core keyword will probably end up losing it, the same as you know the chickens for uh, for AdMech. Um, not that I want them to lose the core keyword, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, a lot of people, at least on TTS right now, are, are playing nine broadsides, um, and it's very obnoxious. So a lot of people are just like, well, what's the point in playing? You know, the, you've got these nine broadsides. One has a free marker light. The other gets four rerolls to hit from Shadow Sun. Like it's it's super tough to deal with. I don't think that's an optimized list, mind you, but it, it's you're going to see that quite often. And because of that, I think you're going to end up um, getting nerfed. Um, anything that's obnoxious. But but saying that, I think we've got to wait until it affects the American meta, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As soon as something big happens there, that's usually when we see change. Um, if it was down to us and the EU meta, things would get changed a lot quicker rather than six months later. <laughs> yeah, but for now, I understand, you know, uh, I don't know if you're, you're going to WTC this year, but if yes, potentially Tau, one of the top eight armies right now, right? Right now, yeah, 100%. Um, well, if I was going to WTC, which is likely, hopefully, maybe um, for Team England, um, I would want to play Tau. Um, not just because they're really strong, but I, I really like Tau. Like they're one of my favorite armies. So, um, yeah, I think if it was a top eight list right this second, then I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Tau would definitely make it. Um, I don't think it would be the style of list I'm using, you know, because this list is designed for um singles meta mm -hmm. um but yeah you would definitely see a, a more quirky version um probably more crisis suits devil fish etc to play the mission um but yeah i i think tower strong enough for the top eight yeah especially that at the wtc you do well you can somehow influence the choice of the table so you can mm -hmm. get to play on an open table with tau that's a dream come true yeah their their open tables aren't necessarily open um but, but yeah you can shoot through them exactly yeah so if you manage to get one of those with say a list like mine then yeah that you're you're, you're laughing then all right so yeah fingers crossed that the event happens um fingers crossed that you know COVID goes away and uh, also yeah. fingers crossed that all the players that don't play tau finally learn how to do that um we'll see what happens because soon we'll see the eldar uh mm -hmm. codex come out Shortly afterwards, there will be the Tyranids Codex that I am very eagerly looking forward to. Um, yep. And yeah, that, that those two could or will definitely shake up the meta. So uh, we'll see where Tau ends up after those two come out. Um, they listen, definitely I will. Think, yeah, no doubt about it. They always do. So, all right, Alex, thanks for, for coming on. Do you want to plug anything do you um, you know are, are you part of any any teams any any podcasts anything or um no no I'm, I'm 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 good to plug anything i just want to say thanks for having me on and uh i just want to say uh a big shout out to all the sort of polish community uh, you guys are awesome um <laughs> you know you really are like the the polish guys and the polish team their sound i have a really good time whenever i see them at the wtc um really top players um and i'm looking forward to seeing seeing them soon hopefully if you're active on tts they might you know have a spar with you or something i know that the polish national team is now sparring quite a lot uh, on tts just to prepare for the wtc so if you want to get some action with the polish national team uh get in touch with them tts is the way to go absolutely yeah that sounds good i might have to i, I might have to look at that um 
but yeah definitely at some point yeah good practice all right uh thanks for all the information that was very thorough very informative uh hopefully we can get you back uh on the podcast at some point probably after another victory or at least top spot (laughs) at the tournament it was a pleasure to have you thanks a lot for for joining us for this episode thank you very much cheers for having me And to all our listeners, make sure that you like and subscribe us on YouTube and all the social media. This helps us grow. This helps make the podcast bigger. This increases our reach. So we really count on your help with this. If you want more interesting, top quality content, then uh, help us grow and we'll try to deliver. Thank you, everyone. And until next time. Bye-bye.